Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. Let's head to Kingwood. Hello, Ward. Hi. I'm, uh, my grandchild dropped a uh, small toothbrush in the toilet and it was and inadvertently reached up and flushed it. Uh-oh. So, well, it's backed you, up once. It has backed up once. I was going to say you 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 got a fifty fifty shot that it made it through. Uh, if it didn't, it's going to start backing up every now and then. As far as getting it out of there, there's not really a good way to do it because you know if you look at the side of the toilet, you can see how the S trap goes. Yes. And, you know, it, it has to make that turn. So you could get one of those little hand crank toilet uh, snakes and try to use that to help work its way down and get it out. Um, you know, I'm almost thinking if you took the toilet off and took it outside, laid on its side, you could probably, between the going through the bowl and going up from the bottom... You could possibly uh-huh. find it that way and get it out, but uh, it really is just going to depend on where it got caught. Okay. Once it gets down okay. past the toilet, it should flow out okay without causing any big problems. Okay. So what? use a snake on it to start with, with before you take it off? Yeah, I would give that a try first. Uh, because that may, okay. you know, it, it may just be kind of wedged in there, and that gives it enough to to get it moving again and and flow out. Uh, and so, if you, if you continue to have a problem where it starts hanging up, then you're going to have to take yep. it out and see if you can get it from the bottom. And nothing comes out then. Then what do I do? Get a new toilet. <laughs> okay. Wasn't a good answer, was it? <laughs> nope. Nope. And no, what's but a good toilet. These are pretty old. Yeah, you know, on, on today's toilets, um, American Standard actually makes a really good one. Uh, Kohler makes good ones, and the ones that are supposed to be considered the Rolls Royce of toilets are Toto. Okay, but for an for an everyday toilet. Uh, Take a look at uh, American Standard and and, uh, Kohler. They both have really good uh, construction of them. They're they're good toilets that will last for years to come. And, you know, nowadays you got a lot of choices when it comes to the bowl as well as the the height and everything. So you can get what's called a mid-height or you can get, you know, the the handicap height. For most people, the mid-height actually suits them better. Phil, you doing all right today? Yes, sir, Jim. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. Good, good, good. Well, you kind of just covered uh, part of one one of my questions when you were talking about encapsulating the house. Uh, We did do foam in the envelope on the walls and in the attic. Uh, And that was kind of where I was going with this. My wife put a couple of these moisture eliminator little you know, little boxes in a couple of closets. Yep. And 
there is quite a bit of moisture. And, of course, I told her, I said, well, I don't know what a, how much moisture a regular house would have as well. Uh, we haven't had any problems so far that I know. Uh, we did have this uh, thing that's on. I have a heat pump up there in the uh-huh. attic. We have this April air thing, which I think does the fresh air exchange every hour or whatever, okay. if you will. And that thing had stopped working, and we noticed enough tick in the moisture, and then we got the people out here, and, and they fixed it. But uh, uh, when you say sick house syndrome, uh, yeah. I heard you speak with that other caller about that two or three calls ago. What what exactly should a person look for, you know? Normally what you're going to start seeing if, you're, if your house is in jeopardy of that is you'll start getting mold and mildew like on windowsills. Uh, the the bathrooms will become extremely difficult to to keep the mold and mildew down, uh, things like that. And of course, once you start getting molds and stuff in the house, you start getting people sick, and because people right. have allergic reactions to it. For okay. most people, it's not an issue. But when you get a house that does have an issue, it can be a major to get rid of it. Now. On the same token, if you do a house where you got fiberglass insulation where the house can breathe and stuff, it's just normally not an issue. So, yeah, it's because ours is on, you know, it's in the walls on the envelope of the house, and but yep. it is up in the ceiling everywhere, too. So, what kind of could, uh, do, do you have a monitor in the house for monitoring the humidity level? And no, I don't. I've been telling my wife I need to get one of those so we can keep an eye on that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, just no, just put one, you know, some of the thermostats nowadays, you know, the electronic thermostats will have them as well. But just monitor the humidity level. Uh, and really what you're trying to do is, is keeping it down below 65, you know, 65% and down. The, uh-huh. the sweet spot is usually between 45 and 65 Depends okay. on depends on your skin. What's going to feel best on you, Charlie? Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, thanks, Jim. You bet. Uh, I've got a question about earlier today on uh, WBAP. You had talked to another caller that had uh, a pier and beam home, and you said that uh, they should not have insulation um, underneath that home. Well, I also have a pier and beam home um, that has hay dot block going all the way around it. Uh huh. Um, with with a, a stone covering on that hay dot block. Um, it does have some small vents, but not much. Um, I've been looking into, because we've had some kind of mildew smells coming up, possibly through the floor. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm going to put a humidity sensor down there. In my particular situation, though, um, would it be better to take that insulation out that's down there now? Oh, you have insulation under it now? Yes, sir. Yeah, I would take, take that out because you're going to probably find that it's full of moisture already. And then the secondary thing I would do is put a uh, fan under the home. Uh, you know, you said you got limited vents under there. Well, they make fans yeah, that can hook. Yeah, there's not a lot of vents. Yeah, they make fans that can hook into those vents. And it has both a humidistat and a temperature gauge on it so that you can set it to where you want it to come on and that will pull air out 
the advantage to that is by dragging the air out through that fan and blowing it out from under the home, it doesn't it it keeps the air that's in the home in better shape. It doesn't let the air that gets stale under it come up through the floorboards and stuff. Right. Um, now, what about uh, air conditioning and, and heating? Is that going to affect my utility bills, not having that insulated down there? No, and that's a mistake a lot of people make is they think that uh, they're going to make the house more comfortable and energy efficient, and you're not because, you know, uh, hot air rises, cool air settles. Well, it's got to go through the carpet, the wood, this, all this other stuff before it's going to exit. So the only thing it really does is can tend to make it a little bit more comfortable on your toes when you get out of bed in the morning. Beyond that, it ain't helping your utility bills. Okay, and then one last question. The, the vents that I have are just little small four-inch round vents. There's oh, no airflow under there at yeah, all. Yeah, that's so where that fan would, would come in. dehumidifier. Well, that's why I say if you put that fan in, it'll dehumidify as well. Terry, are you doing okay today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing wonderful. Good. Hey, I got a, kind of an unusual situation with regard to the patio. My house was built in the 70s, and it had one of those uh, atrium-type patios. It On the west side, it's wrapped by the garage. On the north side, by the kitchen and the dining. Uh, on the east side, by the living room. And on the south side, by a bedroom. So it just created a patio with an open area. Uh, with all the roof lines dumping down into it, and there's about an eight-foot opening out into the backyard in that patio, and that was always a catch-all. So last year when we had the roof replaced, uh, we finally had a architect figure out a way to cover that patio in so that we can enclose it and make it into a room. Okay. The, the question that I've got is with regard to the, the, the concrete itself. It was poured when the original foundation was poured, but from north to south, it drops about two inches. And from east to west, it drops about two inches so that all those waters, all that water that was coming in come, uh, from those roof lines would pour into the patio. And then it would, you know, had to have the, the, the uh, decline so that it could drain. Right. So my question is now when we close in that room, obviously I'm wanting to make that floor flat and even uh, all the way across. And I'm trying to figure out what type of material could overlay that concrete in order to go from a half inch on one side to about two inches on the other side, and then same thing east-west. Well, I'm assuming when you come outside, you step down to onto the patio, don't you? Yes. Okay. And is the patio part of the home's foundation, or was it poured in there afterwards? There's a joint around the edge of it. Well, it's hard to say because it's got sheathing on all the walls, so I can't really tell. Uh, but I mean, it appears that it was, you know, that it was poured in at the same time the foundation was done. Okay, if it's part of the home's foundation, in order to make it level, just cap it. Uh, just pour new concrete on top of it. Uh, as long as you can go two inches with the thickness, and if it's a step-down patio, you can do that easily. You can bring it up to the right elevation to match the rest of the house. Then. But my concern is on the one side, it's two inches, but on like on the north side and the, the east side, it's only going to be about a half an inch step. Well, is it only a half inch step down from the inside out? On, on, on the north and the east side, 
but again, it was it had a slope on it. The patio has about a, a slope on it that well, yeah, when I'm, you get to the west and south, it drops about two right, inches. Right, and, and, and I understand that. I'm not worried about the slope. My my question is, uh, most patios, especially when they're built to drain water this way, when you come out of the house, you typically have like a two to three inch step down to, to onto the patio so that the water doesn't back up into the house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you, is that the way this patio was poured, or well, was it poured f- level with the original slab? Well, again, you know, like I say, it's hard to say because it's got sheeting on all the walls that drops right down to that concrete level. But it appears, uh, I mean, there's a threshold coming out of a, the door on the living room onto that patio. Uh, so I guess maybe there's a, you know. Right. Two, so two, maybe, maybe as much as a two-inch drop. I just can't tell. Uh, but... So concrete, if it's two inches or so, then we can overlay that with concrete yep. and level it, and we won't have any issues. Correct. Is there a particular type of concrete? Because nope, we're going to use the room as a workout room with, you know, weight machines, and, sure. and I'm, I'm afraid that's going to crack it. No, it, and that's reason for the two-inch minimum. Uh, if And if you're going down onto that solid concrete two inches of concrete on top of it will be just fine and you can put a fiber reinforcing in it uh that'll help you know stiffen it up a little bit not stiffen it but it keeps it if it does get any hairline cracks from separating i got you okay okay all right that sounds good i appreciate your help you bet just a reminder it's a huge help if you subscribe to rate and review the podcast it helps people find us Let's head to Granbury, Texas. Sandra, how is it down in Granbury today? It's beautiful. It's, that humidity isn't as bad as they were, were saying, so it's a beautiful sunny day. Good. Listen, I have a question. How are, you, how are you? I'm well. Good. I have a question with regard to, it's uh, kind of reaching out for our son. Our younger son has a home in Fort Worth, and um, it's a, a sweet home. It's a little frame house. It has on it. I don't know the right terminology, but uh, it is. it looked like it had um, siding put on, but it was that siding that's kind of the big, the big wide, square pieces. And um, he's looking to um, have it, have siding redone. And um, he's had some people come out for, to give him estimates and waiting on some of that. But I, I, I told him it's a pyramid beam, and one problem he was having were little critters getting up under his house. He definitely has some holes along that section. I call it the skirting. I don't know if there's right. a proper term for it. Okay, good. Well, one thing that we were chatting with him, and we said, hey, are you getting, are they mentioning what they would cover that skirting, how they would fix that or correct that? And he started asking them, and they're kind of saying that's something that they don't do. Um, which I, I have no experience with that, but what sort of options would you recommend for that area where you're trying to secure, the, you know, and you know, cover up that skirting area so that critters don't get in? I don't recommend covering it. Um, you know, when you're dealing with a block and base and pier and beam homes, you need airflow underneath. And when you start trying to seal them up too tight, you actually build high humidity levels that starts rotting the wood underneath the home so typically i recommend leaving it completely open um oh and, and letting the air flow okay okay all right well, <laughs> well when you see a pier and beam and, and and you see like the air vents yep um 
I mean, do you so so you recommend not securing that area? Nope, leave the air vents open. Okay. Year okay, round. Good. A lot of times people make the mistake of closing them up in the winter months. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it just skyrockets the the uh the humidity levels underneath that home, you know, with that temperature differential. The other thing you don't want to do on a crawl space home like that is put insulation under it. Uh if okay. if somebody ever wants to insulate it, the only insulation you can use is a closed cell spray foam insulation anything else will hold moisture on the wood and it it just gets unbelievable expensive to fix those problems okay no that's that's great that's what i needed to hear well thank you so much you bet take care you too bye uh and i'm straight up with you i mean i have seen where people have put fiberglass insulation in the crawl space that way and 10, 15 years later, they got a $40,000 problem where just leaving that insulation out, they would have had no problem. The insulation holds moisture, and that's the reason you don't want to put it there. Hello, Ken. Uh, yes, I'm interested in making an awning, but using like sun panels for the roof. It doesn't have to be watertight, just more of a shading, but it's okay. a big area, about 50 by 50. Ooh. Good size area. Yeah, it's covering a pool. Okay. And you don't have a material in mind yet, correct? No, I was thinking of aluminum, but I'm not really sure. Something fairly light that will still be strong enough to support the panels. Yeah, I mean, the framework, aluminum is going to be extremely expensive to do. Uh, honestly, when they're doing public pools with stuff like that, they'll use a pole and then, you know, they'll have bars that come off the pole and they'll, they'll use a fabric sail like, uh, material. It's not a sail material, but it's a, it's a mesh type material that just simply keeps the sun from coming through. Uh, yet it doesn't degrade real fast with sunlight. And that may be. Yeah, that I think would be your your best way to do it. Uh, as well, far I was as also covers, interested, but I was also interested in making solar panels so I'd have solar. Okay, so yeah, if you're going to do that, then I, I, aluminum is not what you're going to want to use because the aluminum framing would have to be so heavy uh, in order to support the panels and the wind load that would be put on those panels when we have storms that come through. Uh, you're probably going to have to use steel instead and i would have the steel powder coated so that it doesn't deteriorate too fast would you have anybody do you know anybody particularly be good for constructing something like that honestly not a clue (laughs) i would have to hunt somebody down for that what part of where are you at in east texas longview yeah no i wouldn't have i don't have anybody out there that i can think of that would do this a welding shop is what you're going to be looking for, though. Okay. All right, sir. All right. Take care, Ken. Thank you very much. Got a question that came in from Brandon. And he says, my home HVAC condensate line doesn't have a P-trap and drains into a bathroom sink line. Is a P-trap necessary? Honestly, it's not uncommon for it not to have a P-trap because when it's draining into the sink, 
the sink does have a P-trap, and the condensate line should be draining in above the P-trap. So, yeah, you'll, you'll be fine if that's the case. Now, make sure periodically you dump some bleach down in there to keep it from building up any mildews or molds, things like that. And that's one of the reasons a lot of uh, AC guys won't put a condensate line on those drain lines because the water sits there too long and it does get a sludge that'll build up and block the line. And when that happens, now the water's going out the primary pan into the secondary. That's when you'll start seeing the water drip or run uh, above a door, above a window, someplace where it's obvious to you so that you know you got to get it fixed. Now, I've got one more email question I'm going to address here today. It's uh, from Richard in Plano. And he's retiling the kitchen floor. We're pulling up the tile in the kitchen, replacing 200 square foot. Will floor leveler need to be used? Well, only if the tile or if the floor is not level, then yes, you would want to use some floor leveler to get it nice and level. Okay, next part of it. Two of the tiles that we are pulling out have a crack in them due to a hairline crack in the slab foundation underneath. How do I prevent this in the new tile being laid down? Well, there's two things. One, if it's just a little hairline crack, they make a mastic for putting tile in that has some elasticity to it. You can use that, and usually that'll cross the crack and not give, give you any issues. If it's a little bit bigger crack and you don't want to have any issues, they make a membrane that you can put down over the concrete before you put the tile down, and that will span those cracks and keep you from having an issue with it. So either way, yeah, they, there's material out there to help you with this. Go buy your local floor and decor store and take a look and you know tell them what you're doing, and they'll be able to give you all the, the tools and the, the uh, information that you need in order to get that done properly. Ralph, welcome to KRLD. Thank you, sir. Hey, I've put in a three-light fixture in the bathroom and has 60-watt uh, LED bulbs in it. And when we first put it in, if you let it stay on for uh, an hour, they'd start flickering. Now... When you turn it on, they start flickering. Is there, you know, what's the deal on that? Is there any cure for it? How 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 old is it? I mean, is it new or? Oh, it's brand new. I just put it in, you know, two or three weeks ago. You don't have a dimmer switch or anything on it, do you? No, no, okay. straight wire. Yeah, and the reason I'm asking is it it that's and it, it sounds like it's not compatible with the switch. Uh, you know, we 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 all think that they're all compatible, but especially the dimmer switches. Uh, there a lot of those. There's not as many now, but uh, yeah. the older ones weren't real compatible with the LED bulbs. They had to be uh -huh. changed out. And but what you're describing is exactly what would happen if the switch wasn't compatible with the LED bulb. Oh, okay. So I'm, then ch change out, change I, out the switch or change out the bulbs, huh? Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. 
uh, and again, I'm making the assumption that all the connections are tight and everything is yep. good. And if that's the case, then I would try just putting in a different switch and see if that fixes it. All right, sir. That sounds like a not that hard a job to do. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Take care. Have a good day. And and that's what they do is they'll is if the current isn't the right going through and the LEDs don't use as much electricity, so the current kind of freaks the switches out a little bit, and it'll depend on the switch that you have. So that'll be something to, to check into. This comes from Joshua in Fort Worth. I recently removed a brick border around my driveway and noticed that there was a sinkhole about midway down. I have put in a bucket of sand that just disappears and poured water down there, and it just disappears. Should I be concerned? Should I try to mix up some mortar and try to shove it underneath the driveway as best I can? Or should I keep putting in pea gravel and sand until it backs up to the surface? Well, you know, if everything is disappearing, then it kind of gives you an indication that there's a void of some kind underneath there. Uh, Granted, you can see a little bit of the void, but where did the material go? So there's several things that can be causing voids under a driveway. One is water running down the driveway goes into the expansion joints and then washes out underneath the driveway. But you're adding stuff and not seeing where it's coming out. So one of the other areas that you have to start questioning is, is there a drain line under there? And it can be for the sewer line, it could be for a drain system, could even be a city line if it's close enough to the easement uh, that has a hole in it that's sucking material out of from underneath your driveway. And if that is what's happening, then yes, it would be something to be concerned about. So I guess my first inclination would be kind of what you alluded to here. I would first be putting in pea gravel and sand to try to fill it up. If I can't fill it or the material continuously keeps washing away because the pea gravel should make it where water flows through the pea gravel instead of washing the soil away then, yeah, I'm going to start getting a little more serious about looking to see where is this soil going because it can't just disappear, but if it's dropping into a pipe and going away, that can create a bigger problem over time. Uh, Is it something I'd start losing sleep over today? No. But let's get it filled up. And it it may take, uh, you know, a couple wheelbarrow loads of, of pea gravel and sand to fill it up to start with. Now you got something you can monitor for a while. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.